This is Godly Parenting. Lesson number three, learning to honor and submit to authority. This is a critical lesson because we're gonna dive into what is the heart of discipline for your children. Why do we discipline our kids? We don't discipline our kids out of anger. That can actually really hurt our children. Uh, In fact, Hebrews says that we also likewise, Hebrews chapter 12, we had parents after the flesh who disciplined us according to their will, which often means their, their flesh, you know, how they wanted things done particularly. He says, but we have a father in heaven who disciplines us for our goodwill for our benefit. And so we have to be mindful. Uh, We need to really study this and examine why we're disciplining our children. And if you can understand the heart behind it, why we do discipline our children, it might even cause you to to do a better job at it. What are we looking for here? Why do we, do we spank them because they hit their brother? Because you could accidentally hit your brother. That doesn't deserve a spanking. What are we disciplining here? That's the heart of this lesson. Why, Why are we disciplining? Our lesson says parenting is a proactive 24-7, 18-year commitment. Now, if you don't have kids, just listen to this for you and your relationship with God. And uh, maybe one day God will bless you with children and so you'll need this training. Parenting is proactive, 24-7, 18-year, by American standards, 18 years. That's when the government has them for the military or college. And hopefully by then you're done. Now, unfortunately, nowadays, parents have kids that live at home till they're 30 and 35. That's weird. There ought to be a, a, a departure plan in place. Because if you don't have a departure plan, your kids will keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. So there should be a departure plan. There's absolutely no room for laziness or quit if you're going to succeed in raising your child to be a God-fearing, world-changing, Christ-honoring adult human being. There's no room for laziness or quit. Now, that's what we're aiming for with our children. We want to raise our children to be God-fearing, world-changing, Christ-honoring adult human beings. That one lady I worked with uh, back when I was uh, working for the corporate world, I like what she said. She said, I don't raise children. I raise adults. And I said, explain that to me. She said, if I raise a child, there'll always be a child. She said, it's my, it's my difference of perspective. I'm raising my children to become adults. I'm not raising children. I'm raising future adults. And I said, I like that. I can, I can see what you're saying there. It's, I know it's just semantics and what do we mean by words, but the heart behind what she was saying is a very powerful thing. If we're not careful, we'll be pampering our 15-year-old like we do a five-year-old. And God doesn't treat baby Christians the same way he treats apostles. He expects Christians to grow and we should expect our children to grow. And you begin, you don't just wean babies off of milk, you wean them off of everything in life and you make them adults. Thankfully, the Bible teaches parents how to parent. Thank God for that. Otherwise, we'd be totally lost. And truthfully, the Bible is the answer book for everything you might experience in life. Keep in mind, just because you successfully reproduce does not mean you are successfully parenting. Anybody can reproduce. Animals reproduce. And then they eat their young. Sometimes. Some of them. Uh, Some of you would like to eat your young. And you say, I'm going to bite your head off if you do not get in here right now. And then sometimes you do verbally bite their head off and they probably deserved it. The Bible teaches us how to parent. Successful parenting must incorporate discipline. I'll say that several times. Successful parenting must incorporate discipline. 
Discipline isn't just spanking. Discipline is many things, but it must incorporate discipline. Children will just grow any old way like a wild vine without discipline. And you as the parent, your job is to provide that discipline, that structure, that order. God keeps us in check if we want him to, if we submit to him, we are to keep our children in check. Uh, Children don't know anything. Uh, I have in preparing these lessons been talking to a lot of pastor friends of mine and getting their input, getting their, the way they've missed it. I'm asking a lot of my pastor friends and minister friends with grown children, what are your regrets? What did you do right? What did you do wrong? What would you tell this generation of parenting? And we had uh, dinner the other day or lunch the other day with some pastor friends. And the thing they both kind of said unanimously is, don't trust your kids. And Luke was there, of course, he being our youth leader. We, we were talking about that, how parents are so foolish to trust their kids. Amen. Everybody wants to think their kid is the best. Everybody wants to think that their kid is smarter than all the kids. Everybody has this idea that they're going to have, you know, the 24, 28 on the ACT, whatever the high score is. And my kid is just way ahead. He's at the top one percentile. Your kid is deceiving you. And if he is that smart or if she is that smart, she's really deceiving you because she knows how to work you because you don't have those top scores on the ACT. So the thing I keep hearing uh, in some of these discussions is do not trust your kids. Everybody has a higher estimation of their children than they should. Now we want to trust our kids and we want to think the best of them, but the Bible still says foolishness is sealed up in the heart of a child. And uh, as I have said and learned and experienced now, children learn how to manipulate their parents when they're about six months old. Amen. Children are so smart, they tell us in orphanages in the third world that when a baby learns that crying will not get anything, they totally cease crying. Infants. Now that's heart-wrenching when you think about babies in an orphanage in the third world. They don't cry anymore because it doesn't get them anything. It, t- it shows you the intellect and the brilliance that's in even an infant. That if an infant can learn that crying doesn't get me anything, what's the point of crying? I won't cry anymore. What else is going on in their little minds? So God has to help us parenting. So just to throw that out there right now, the one piece of wisdom I keep hearing time and time again, I suppose, is that don't trust your children. As, and we were talking with these pastors, and I said, honestly, God doesn't trust us. He trusts us with just a little bit. And he doesn't have this overinflated value or estimation of us or trust of us. We have to earn God's trust. And our children have to earn our trust. Amen. Furthermore, all of you are once children... Were you good at deceiving your parents? Absolutely, you were masters of it. Every one of you were. You knew how I was good at it. I don't think there's a kid alive that has not deceived their parent. And, and you sowed that. So guess what you're gonna get to reap a little bit with your kids? <laughs> now you can start pulling up that harvest and say, Lord, and you can pray that thing different, but every child knows how to manipulate. Amen. Not to put our little babies down, but that's just human nature. That's the sin nature. Let's define discipline. The practice of training people to obey rules. This is just a simple dictionary definition. Discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. Every family has rules and a code of behavior. Using punishment to correct disobedience using punishment to correct the disobedience to that code of behavior. Every family has a slightly different code of behavior. 
Every church has a slightly different code of behavior. Every business has a slightly different code of behavior. And so when you talk about discipline, it's a system of training people how to line up with that code. And then you use punishment to discipline or correct the disobedience. So the heart of this message is, and I want you to hear it carefully, especially if you're a parent with children still at home, and if you're going to have children one day, and even if you're an adult, here's the heart, because God is still working on every one of us, even the oldest of us. The heart and purpose for discipline is to teach children, that includes us, we're God's kids, to teach children to honor authority by submitting their will to it. The whole reason we discipline children and the whole reason God disciplines us is to teach us to honor him by submitting to him. We get in trouble with the Lord when we dishonor and disrespect him by, by rebellion, by sin. The whole reason we will spank a child, put a, tile, a child in time out, scold a child, rebuke a child is because we're teaching them to submit their will. That may be one of, perhaps one of the greatest revelations I've ever gotten about pastoring and parenting is that it's not, to, it's not to inflict pain on a child. That's not the purpose. It's not to yell at a child. That's not the purpose. It's not to put a child in timeout or whatever your method of punishment is. The sole purpose is you have to take a child who has foolishness sealed up in their heart and you have to train them that their entire life they're going to have to submit their will always to somebody else. Your whole life hinges on your ability to submit what you want to someone greater than you. Whether it's your husband as a wife, whether it's your boss as an employee, whether it's a professor as a student, whether it's God as a Christian. Our whole life and your kid's whole destiny is wrapped up in our ability to submit our will. When you don't submit your will, the Bible calls that pride and rebellion. So the reason we would spank a child or swat their hand is because they rebelled. That we said, don't touch that. And they looked at us and they touched it. Touching it's neither here nor there. Because the next day you could say, go touch that for me, bring it to me. And that would be obedience. But we, we've all seen it in children. You look at them and you say, don't do that. And they look at you and they do it. Just, why? Just because of the foolishness that's in their heart. So the reason you would swat that or scold that is because you must teach them to always submit their will to someone greater than them. All right. Amen. We'll, we'll prove that with this lesson. I can't say that enough. I'll probably keep saying that over and over again. Learning to submit, our next section. The kingdom to which you and your child are called to serve in is a kingdom of submission. Amen to that. One of the greatest things a child must be taught is submission to the will of higher authority. The success of a child's future is directly related to their ability and or desire to submit to authority. You have to teach your children it's a good thing to submit. You have to teach them to want to submit. You have to teach them about the rewards of submitting and the punishments of disobeying. Even our life's success has been determined by our ability to submit to higher power. I teach this a lot in our church. Your life is a reward for your Christian walk. Your life is a reward for what you say in your heart. Your life is a reward for your ability to submit or your ability to rebel. You can go to prison and you can see the reward for disobedience. And then one of the most common factors among all inmates is a poor home life. That's one of the most common factors. I don't know the percentage. It's, it's almost an A by grade score standard. 90-something percent, I think, of inmates had horrible home lives. 
And so they were never taught to submit. They were never taught how to have a, a submission and honor in their heart. So they get the fruit of that. They are rewarded according to that prison. And you know what they get to learn in prison? How to submit. Isn't that amazing how God works that out? You learn it now or you learn it, but one day every knee bows. So our knees bend now because one day God will ultimately put a giant penal colony in hell. And for eternity, they will cry out to God in torments because they didn't cry out to God now. So that's why it's so critical. That is also why psychology in the world system do not want you to discipline your child. They want you to psychologicalize your child. I'm currently studying uh, all the major fathers of psychology. I've only got the three big ones down. But one thing all three of the major psych psychological fathers had in common was sexual perversion and the occult. This is what feeds modern psychology. These are what all theories are based upon. And the, three, the two things that those big guys had in common was they were all sexual deviants. They, well, a third thing, they all purposely assaulted moral Christianity and the Christian morality. And they all were dabbling and heavily involved in the occult. That's the basis for psychology in the modern age. And they're teaching, psychologists are teaching us, we shouldn't spank our children. Because that spirit wants our kids to go to hell. And many a parent has raised children successfully to grow up, curse God, and go to hell. And the whole time they'll say, well, I brought them to church. The Bible doesn't call that training up a child. Amen. So we're going to get back to the way God does things. You cannot psychologicalize a one-year-old. They don't understand that. They, they hardly understand caca and milk and cereal and bedtime. What they do understand is a pop on the hand. And that's not child abuse. Amen. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every soul, I suppose that includes children. Doesn't every include every? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. That was the word authority. For there's no authority but of God. The authority that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the authority resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or condemnation. So when you don't train your children how to always submit, you're setting them up to live a life of damnation and condemnation. We understand, we know that we are, as human beings, we are totally programmable. When we held Lydia as an infant, it just, it struck us, this revelation, this understanding, this epiphany. This child is a blank slate. I could train this child to be a Muslim bomber. I could train this child to be a Buddhist. I could train this child to be anything. She's a totally innocent blank slate. So seeing as how I serve the living God and I have a covenant with him, this is how I'm going to train her to change the world for Jesus Christ. That no door can stand closed before her. That no mountain can stand before her and no demon can stand before her and she'll glorify God. And that's what we do every day. And we'll set her up to go further than us. That's the one thing we've also kept saying. The whole reason we have children is not to have a little princess or to have a future quarterback, we have children so that God may have a generation greater than us. That we may possess the earth and have dominion and subdue it. That's what we saw in the first lesson. So, submission 
prospers and promotes man in every area of life. Submission to the gospel is required to be saved. If you don't teach your children to submit now, will they ever submit to the gospel? If you tell them that, if you let them by demonstration, by example, let them always be rewarded for their rebellion. Let them never understand the word no, except for when they use it on you. Right now, we're teaching our daughter, you'd never say no to an adult. We say something, you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, please, no, thank you. No is always gonna be followed by a no, sir, a no, thank you, a no, ma'am. We do not tolerate a simple no in my household. God does not tolerate a no from me. Why would I reduce the standard for my children? If God doesn't tolerate no from us, why would I tolerate a no from my child? Except for laziness or reduced standard. When I say no to the Lord, I get instantly resisted. And I'm liable to be spanked in a service or in a prayer time or a rebuke. You know, the Bible says that the words of the Lord are so though soft, they can break bones. A heavy tongue so soft from the word of the Lord can just absolutely crush you. That's a spanking though he never physically laid a hand on you. I think we've all been there where the Lord through his spirit spanked us. Yeah, so the Lord doesn't tolerate a no out of me. He'll tolerate uh, a very respectful, sir, Lord, is there any other way? Because Jesus said that. But you and I know we don't get, uh, daddy, is there any other way? We don't get that out of our kids. We get no. Oh, please, for mommy's sake, just do it. You're negotiating with a no? You can't negotiate with rebellion. You're going to plead with them and psychologicalize them? You didn't learn it from God. The only thing a no understands is a swat on the bottom, swat on the hand, whatever else can get their attention very quickly. Submission to the gospel is required to be saved. Romans 10, 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord who hath believed our report. Uh, also, I might add as parents, you have to show your children that your yes means yes and your no means no. You have to keep your word with your children. Pastor Vaughn taught for many years and I used to re-preach it when I didn't have kids and people get all offended at me. And I'd say, look, I learned it from my pastor, so deal with it. He used to say, when you're counting with your children, you're lying. He said, the second you say one, you're a liar. Two, don't make me count. What you're asking is, please don't make me get out of my comfort zone and get out of my chair and actually be a parent to you. I'm gonna give you three opportunities for you to obey and three opportunities for me to be lazy. Now, now that I have an active toddler, I understand the temptation to want to count. And I can say I have resisted every time. I have yet to count with my child and I never will. Because when I was a young 20-something, I heard Pastor Vaughn said, counting with your children makes you a liar. They have not all believed our report. So you've got to raise your children to believe that when you say yes, you better get after it. And when you say no, you better get after it. And you've got to be, in a sense, God towards your children because you represent or represent God in your household. So when daddy says no, you're not getting it. No is no. And when daddy says yes, there's no no. There's only yes. 
Sometimes we are still trying to be our children's best friend. It is perfectly acceptable for you to inflict a wrath or an anger so that when your kids see you, they know you mean business. One of my favorite proverbs is both a pastor and a husband and its father now is the eyes of the king scatter evil. Which means the king has demonstrated his anger more than once and you know the look. He has demonstrated his anger more than once so that everybody's familiar with the look. And the Bible doesn't say that's a bad thing to scatter evil with just a look. It sure saves the king a lot of trouble. But you don't, if you're counting all the time, you don't have a look. You have a puppy dog look. Oh, please, honey, obey mommy. Just do it for mommy. We got past that. We said, honey, this is about to really hurt. All right, here we go. When you count, you don't obey the scriptures. Now, I was very heavily reprimanded for preaching that in a church about 10 years ago. They said, well, when you have kids, you'll understand. What, that counting to three means you're a liar? I'm sorry if you're failing God. I'm sorry if you don't do the word. Look, I don't have to have kids to know what good teaching sounds like. (laughs) I don't have to be a homosexual to know it's a sin. Amen. So you have to teach them to obey the gospel, and you teach them by saying, my word is gospel. Daddy says, no, that's gospel. Teach them to obey. The Bible, okay, if you don't like that, at the very least, let James speak to you. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In fact, James says, above all things, let your yes be yes and your no no. Anything above this or more than this comes of damnation or condemnation. So we have to learn to keep our words with our kids. In, our, in my home, uh, my daughter will ask me, daddy, daddy, you know, how she says it, can I do this? I'll say, what does mommy say? because I'm not going to override my, my wife. Mommy, mommy, can she do this? No, I told her no. Nope. No. Pastor Titus told me, rebellion flourishes when a window of division, something to the fact when a child can see a window of division between parents. And children can see it. If my little two-year-old is already learning how to ask daddy when mommy says no, a two-year-old, What is your 16-year-old doing? What's your 15-year-old doing? What's your 10-year-old that you're bragging about is going to be able to go to Harvard one day? And they're looking at you going, you never never went to Harvard. They're telling me I can, which means I'm smarter than you already. Sometimes our inflated value of our children is ruining them. And as I've taught you, we're not going to teach our daughter she can do anything because she can't. She can serve God. That's all she gets to do. And whatever God has in store for her. Now, honestly, the sky's the limit. I understand the heart behind that, but that is the American dream mentality. She can do anything as long as God tells her to. And if God says do it, then nothing can stop you. But you're not gonna go to a college God didn't ask you to or tell you to. And you're not gonna marry somebody we don't permit you to. And you're not gonna take a job or have a career or even ambition that we don't find in the scriptures. So yes, the world's open to you, but you're not going to do anything you want to. That's the satanic commandment. Do what you will. Yes is going to be yes. No is going to be no. And you're going to learn to submit. Some of us just need to turn off all that television and quit letting TV give us dreams. Submission to God brings reward. Hebrews 11 says that. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So what we're saying is submission prospers every area of life. Submission to the boss brings favor. 
Submission to the police brings protection. Rebellion, on the other hand, demotes and destroys man in every area of life, including your child. Rebellion to the gospel brings eternal damnation. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Okay, but to those that obey unrighteousness, here's what you get. Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil of the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So there's a promise for your child. If you disobey me, honey, when they're old enough, you ought to take them that verse. If you disobey me and obey sin, then the Bible says you get indignation. What's that mean? You're going to have a hard life. Wrath, what's that mean? You're going to get spanked a lot. Tribulation, what's that mean? You're never going to see the light of day. Anguish, what's that mean? Your life's going to be miserable. That's what's going to happen if you don't obey. That's what the Bible promises. Rebellion to God brings resistance and frustration. And by the way, we've all proven these in our own life. Why would we want our children to have to beat the same path we've beat? We're supposed to be pioneering so that our kids can run up quicker behind us. And then when we, when we launch them out, they go further than us. That's the whole point of parenting. You are supposed to have a quiver full of arrows called your children. And as an archer, you stand right here. And this is as far as you'll ever get to go in life. And you spend 18 years building this arrow, balancing it, shaving it, polishing it, putting the arrows just right, working on the arrowhead and the notching. And when you've done all you can do, you launch them in life. And they're not supposed to go... Or into the wind, into the bonfire of hell. Whoops. I guess I should have spent more time balancing that arrow. No, you're supposed to send them where God tells you to on mark. Three or four hundred yards further than you can ever go. That's your job. To that end, you can't be selfish of your children. Or in competition with them. If you have a true heart of God for your kids, you want them to go further and succeed more than you ever could. Some parents are so sick they're actually in competition with their kids. That's messed up. That's not even proper. Even the heathen aren't that way. But I've known Christians who get in competition with their kids. It, they get jealous when their kids are more successful than them. You should rejoice. You did your job. But who, who, hearts just get weird sometimes. Rebellion to the boss brings demotion or firing. Rebellion to the police and the rule of law brings incarceration. So the, we understand this. This is very simple. The every soul in Romans 13, 1 and 2 would include children. I think we understand that. A child's soul must be taught to submit to higher authority. This must begin at home with mom and dad. Now, as I typed that, I wondered for about the 15,000th time, how come in mom and dad, mom's always first? How come in the American expression, it's mom and dad? Say dad and mom, dad and mom. It just doesn't feel right. Because we've said mom and dad for, I don't know, 400 years. I don't know. But the Bible says, honor thy father and mother. Now, not to say this is the heart of it, but also I notice in the LGBT thing, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, lesbian comes first. I'm not saying we start, stop saying mom and dad. Obviously, I wrote mom and dad. But how come mom comes first and mom and dad? I don't know if it works the same way in other languages. I don't know if in Spanish it's, you know, madre, su padre. Or whatever. In Japanese, I don't think it's otosan, okasan. I think it's, I don't know. But in English, it's mom and dad. It's always mom first. You never say dad and mom. Just an observation I noticed when I was writing this. And I, I deleted it and I wrote dad and mom. I said, it doesn't flow right. I've been trained to say mom and dad. Just an observation. 
But it might be because moms do all the training and raising in our families and dads do what? Bring home the bacon and watch ESPN? Bring home the bacon and then need to rest for the next six hours before they go to bed and rest some more? Just an observation. This is godly parenting. <laughs> children, here's my asterisk, my star line. Children must be taught to submit their will to the will of authority. All authorities ordained of God, and if you resist the authorities, you receive to yourself condemnation. Submission, and honestly, backing up to psychology, they are teaching us to allow our children to rebel. Because psychology and the world system, they want our children to live ever in condemnation and blame God for it. They refuse, they, 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 they despise the fact that we would teach our children to honor God, honor his law, honor his word, honor his church, honor his people, because that brings blessing. It's truly the doctrine of Balaam, if you understand the doctrine of Balaam. God himself would never judge Jew, uh, Israel and destroy the Jews, but if you could get the Jews to partake of sin, God would destroy them. If you could get them to partake of cursed things, God would curse them, but he, you couldn't do it until they were dirty. And so God himself does not want to destroy people, but if you can sell people on sin, God will destroy them. It's the doctrine of Balaam, bundled up in child psychology, stamped by the American Pediatric Association, because you know those are all real smart people. Been educated through the 21st century. They're smarter than us. And their kids go to hell. And they have affairs with their nurses. And they do their own drugs. The place we're looking to rent down in Swanee is a former doctor's office that got shut down because that doctor, so smart. I mean, we're talking eight years of school and four years of residency. That's 12 years of education. She got to be smart. Well, she was selling pills out of the backyard and using them herself. You going to trust her judgment on anything? None. So I don't care if it's an American association of smart people. They're all probably headed to hell anyway. We stick with the Bible. We're just that ignorant. Children must be taught to submit their will to the will of authority. You can't be your child's best friend. You must be your child's authority figure. This thing must be practiced at home first. They have 18 years of dry running it at home. So they should never fail when they leave home. They should never fail when they leave home if they've been properly taught at home. Don't expect the school to do it. Don't expect Sunday school to do it. If you have spent 18 years, who can't master something in 18 years? I mean, if you do something for 18 years, you ought to be really good at it. Unless, of course, you're just not taught to do it. So that when we release our kids into the college system, no problem. Because we've trained them. We haven't drugged them to church. We've trained them ourselves. We didn't expect a summer camp to fix them or a vacation Bible school. We fixed them every time they got out of whack. Submission is learned at home. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We well, don't obey sin. That's why the Lord throws that condition in there. In the Lord. If mom asks you to go get her pack of smokes, tell her no. Dad wants you to go get him some whiskey. No. Boy, go download me some porn. No, sir. That's sin. So you can't use that on your kids. You got to obey me in the Lord. For this is right. The Bible's very clear on that. It's almost sad that it, Paul had to say, for this is right. As if there was some debate there. 
The first order of authority children experience is their parents. This is the first order, the first line of authority. Therefore, the home must be where children learn to submit to authority. If you don't teach your children to submit to authority and the rule of law, who's going to teach them? Not the world. The world is a master of rebellion. The world has this expression, rules are made to be broken. That's not why rules are. Rules are made to keep you safe. And so if you don't train your child, who will? You can start having an adult conversation with your kids when they become adults. That's 18. Until then, you don't talk to them on the same level as you. Many a parent has totally ruined their child by teaching them they're their equal when they're four and five. I am a grown man. I am a CEO of two corporations. Of course, they're just paper corporations, you know. I'm still not equal to my dad. Never will be, because he's my dad. And I still honor him. I still respect him. When I disagree, I say, Dad, I, 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 just, I disagree. I honor him by calling him Dad. I don't call him John. I don't call my mom Rebecca. There's always going to be a term of honor for my dad. No matter how big we may get in church or ministry or influencing the world, he's always my dad. I was taught that. As a good Southerner, I was beat that. (laughs) And I still say yes, sir, to him. Because it sounds so much better than yeah. What? I would never ask my dad what. Sir. Christopher, yes, sir. It's honor. Amen. Proverbs uh, 3, one, my son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Just two examples. 23 Proverbs begin by addressing my son. The book of Proverbs is the wisdom that Solomon learned by submitting to his father David and his mother Bathsheba. It's honestly not even Solomon's wisdom, it's his mom and dad's. Proverbs 31 actually was written by Bathsheba. The Proverbs 31 woman, Bathsheba wrote that. What, son of my my womb? What, son of my joy? And she goes on to tell Solomon what to look for in a wife. That's Bathsheba. Now Solomon's credited with it, but it's Bathsheba's wisdom. What if he'd never learned to submit or honor that? He learned to submit at home. The submission and honor he learned from his parents set him up to become one of Israel's greatest kings. You no doubt David taught Solomon how to honor God and how to worship him, how to put God first. Now, of course, when he was older, he was tempted by many strange things, but David was long gone, but he started off great. Submission must be learned at home. You teach your children how to submit to all forms of authority, beginning with mom and dad. And parents, you stick up for each other. When you get into the teenage years, your kids will really want to play against each other. You never side with your child against your spouse. You never side with your child against your spouse. Your children have no covenant with you. Your covenant is with your spouse. All right, it's very, very smug on that one or staunch, stifled. You never side with your child against your spouse, not at face value. Your covenant is with your spouse. I always, every once in a while, I'll have the audacity to say something very vile, and it fits right now. 
though I don't fully mean this, but you understand the heart of it. Children are disposable. You will raise them up and lose them. You're always bound to your spouse. You are preparing your children to leave you, but your spouse is to death do your part. With children, college do us part. With children, rebellion do us part. But with your spouse, it's only death do you part. So you never side with your children against your spouse. And you never let your children see the two of you fight or disagree or argue. You put on a unified front and deal with any other things diplomatically behind the scenes. And you ought to have a, a, a unified plan before you have any problems with your kids. What are we going to do when this happens? What will we do when this happens? How will we handle this? And if you have a plan and your life is actually designed to train children rather than seek money, you'll actually know how to do this before it takes you on and you'll have a plan in place. All right, honor, submission and honor. Two things there that every kid needs, most Americans lack. If it's not in you as a parent, we'll never be in your kids. Honor's learned at home, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Honor thy father and mother. Daddy comes first. Who, made, who was made first? Man, because God said so. It's not my fault I'm born a man. It's God's fault. It's not your fault you were born a woman. It's God's fault. They're both perfect in his sight, the way he made them, but there is a place for the man first. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You must teach your children to honor you. Nobody else will. Brother Hagin said he used to sit Ken Hagin Jr. down and say, now, son, I'm going to spank you because you dishonored me. I want to show you what the Bible says. If you dishonor me, you'll have a short life. Do you want to have a short life, son? No, daddy, I don't want to have a short life. I want to live a long time. Then you must honor me. I'm sorry, daddy. I forgive you, but I have to spank you too. You have to teach your children the word. This is a promise. We believe this is a promise of God. You disrespect your parents, you go home early. You disrespect your parents, you go home early. That's a Bible promise. It's not just health, wealth, and prosperity. This is another Bible promise. You disrespect mom and dad, you can die. Amen. The first order of authority children experience is their parents. Therefore, the home must be where children learn to honor that which is honorable. Your children will honor whatever you honor and they will despise whatever they see or hear you despising. So be careful what you despise at home. Make sure it's everything God despises. Don't ever run the preacher down at home. You'll curse your kids to hell. Not because the preacher's anything, but because you'll teach your kids to have no respect for authority. Romans 13, 7, honestly, it's not gonna hurt me or any preacher if you run us down at home. It's never hurt a preacher to be slandered by you at home. It has never hurt us. We don't even know you're doing it till we see sickness hit you, till we see your money dry up, till we see your marriage on the rocks, till we see your kids go to hell. Then we realize, what was being said at home? Meanwhile, we march on. Render therefore, Romans 13, 7, render therefore to all their dues. The word dues, there's also obligation, what you're obligated to give them. So we're obligated to give tax to whom taxes do. Toll or revenue to whom toll or revenue is due. Respect to whom respect is due and honor to whom honor is due. That's part of our job as Christians. We have to teach our kids that. We as parents are commanded by God to give respect where it is proper and to give honor where honor is due. We then must learn to live a life of respect and honor as parents. 
God is expecting us to teach our children about honoring those who are deserving of honor. So here's some things we must teach our children to honor. This assumes you honor it first. You cannot be do as I say, not as I do. Uh, just in our personal home, let me, let me throw this out there. I can tell what parents in my church honor me because their kids do. And I can tell what parents in my church don't honor me because their kids don't. I can see that when they're about one. I'm honored to say that my daughter knows her pastor. She knows her pastor's voice. She recognizes her pastor's church, though she only gets to watch it on, on video stream. That she can see a picture of a pastor. She said, that pastor. That she wants to pray for her pastor and her pastor's airplane. That she knows Miss Vicky. She knows Miss Vicky from behind. She knows Unky Josh. And she prays for them. Because we pray for them. And we honor them. It's just, it, she just catches it. We don't have to force it on her. We've all heard the expression, monkey see, monkey do. Ecclesiastes, or excuse me, Ezekiel says, as it goes with the mother, so it goes with her daughter. As it goes with the mother, so it goes with her daughter. If you want to see your weaknesses, look in your child. Amen. There is so much of John Robert McMichael and me, the older I get, it just comes out. Some things I don't even want to do. The way I stand sometimes, the way I rub my forehead, I think, it's my dad. Even though I'm grown doing my own thing, John Robert McMichael still comes out of me. The way I stand with my arms folded sometimes is just my dad. You want to see what you look like? Look in your children, your grown children. They got that from you somehow. It doesn't matter how heinous it is. They picked it up somehow. It started as a seed from you. Either you permitted it or you fed it or, or, you didn't, or you didn't weed it out. Now, that's not to put anybody down. That's a wake-up call. Some things you permit because it's neither here nor there. Some things, if you don't forbid, it's going to grow to be something painful. So we assume we honor these first. If you don't honor these first, your kids will never get it from you. Honor God. Honor the Bible. This, we're teaching our kids. Honor mother, father and mother. See, I want to say mother and father. Man, I'm a well-trained American. The Bible says father and mother. Honor spiritual leaders and elders. Honor teachers at school. Honor the house, the presence, and the altar of God. Do you know why some of our kids don't come down here and worship? Because their parents don't. Do you know why some of our kids don't come down here and pray? Because their parents don't. Do you know some of our two-year-olds run down here? Because their parents do. It's awesome to see the one and two-year-olds walk around. They're, they don't know what they're doing. I know that. But they'll learn eventually. It'll click. Honor the tithe. We just got to deliver to Dr. Barclay Abigail's first tithe off of her baby shower. Some money and a gift card. You should have seen my pastor's face light up. He said, come on, man. I said, here's Abigail's first tithe. I, I, know, I hadn't seen him smile that big all conference. Abigail's not even here yet. She's already tithing. Honor their commitments. You got to teach your kids to honor their commitments and their word. Honor the king, the president, the governor. We don't rebel against them. We pray for them and we pray fervently for them, etc. Parental guidance. Let me wrap up here. Some thoughts concerning teaching your children honor and submission. Number one, rebellion is contagious. Monkey see, monkey do. They see it in you, they're going to do it. And since they don't have the restraint you have, it's going to be exacerbated. 
The Bible already says foolishness is there in their heart when they're born and they see your rebellion and you know how to pull back it just in time not to curse yourself. They don't have that restraint. They're just gonna run with it. You should never allow your children to run anybody down. I've heard some of our young people complain about other churches. That is a dangerous pitfall for our youth and our children. It's borderline being a tattletale and ought to be spanked out of them or their mouth washed out with soap, which I still believe in both of those. Nobody ever died having their mouth washed out with soap and it won't strike you blind. I've actually grabbed a toothbrush a time or two that I used to clean something and I said, that tastes like Clorox. That probably is not gonna be good, but that will whiten my teeth. Why is that toothbrush here? That's a bad toothbrush. Do not, see, you gotta be careful. If you're a tattletale, your kids will be tattletales and that's not a good thing. It's a know-it-all attitude. Even though Beyonce has just started a new movement to eliminate the word bossy because it hurts girls' self-image, your kids shouldn't be bossy brats. They have all these celebrities trying to outlaw the word bossy. They, the, 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 the marketing campaign is ban bossy. Wait, wait, wait. So you're gonna, you're gonna judge me for calling someone bossy? Rebellion is contagious. I really gotta wrap up here. I've stepped off again. Do you know how to submit to authority? There's a question to ask yourself. Do you submit to the authorities in your life or do you complain against them? Do you understand honor? Do you honor someone more than yourself? Dr. Barclay says there must always be somebody in your life you trust more than you. With a wife, it ought to be your husband. If it's not your husband, pray for him, let him get there. Uh, if you're a man, you ought to have a spiritual leader in your, in, your, in your life, a pastor, a mentor, a discipler. Your kids, it ought to be mom and dad. Do you honor someone more than yourself? Is there anyone higher than you in your life that you trust more than yourself? Those are some, just some good questions to ask. May God strengthen every parent to raise glorious, God-filled children. Father, I thank you for our lesson here this morning. I thank you for helping these parents to be great, godly parents. In Jesus' name, amen.